Hey everyone, thank you for joining us this week. We're gonna be continuing in our series on 1 Peter. And uh, this week we're gonna be talking about chapter three. But before we get started, I just wanna say how cool it is to have Clint here join me. Uh, Clint, I was just thinking about this. We have worked together for 13 years, right? Yeah, 13 years ago we started doing ministry at the Livermore campus yeah. and now you're at the Walnut Creek and I'm yeah. in Brentwood. And so it's been a good 13 years. Mostly uh, good. <laughs> I never told you this, but did you know you were one of my first mentors in ministry? That won't hold up in court. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Blame I blame all my mistakes yeah. on you. <laughs> I figured yeah. you would. <laughs> but remember 13 years ago when we could like do stuff outside of our homes? And, yeah, was it 13 years ago? It feels so. like that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I miss that. I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because for me, that stuff has been the hardest in the last year because I'm, yeah. I'm really an extrovert. And so I just, I miss people. I miss my friends and it's really been the hardest thing for me to, to go through this time without that kind of connection because, yeah. you know, there's that tension, that frustration of, yeah, I want to be responsible. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not spreading COVID and no one is getting infected and we yeah, get through this as absolutely. fast as possible. But I also just want to be with my friends. Mm -hmm. I just want to connect and be with other people. And then you add to that distance learning because I've yeah. got two kids <laughs> and that's just a little bit of a nightmare, you know, at least for me in my house. But, well, but how about for you? You know, yeah. how's that been at your place? Yeah, we have three kids and they're all in elementary school. Yeah. And so distance learning has been tough, but we're starting to look at maybe coming out of this a little bit, you know, but there's some tension in our home because we're a little bit divided. Our, yeah. our kindergartner is just like you. He's an extrovert. He wants to be with people. You know, he hates Zoom. <laughs> Last time he was on Zoom, he, had his, uh, he put a Yoda mask on just to try to <laughs> get people to laugh at him. And so he loves attention, loves being around people. He can't wait for schools to open. But then our, our fifth grader is like the opposite. He loves distance yeah. learning. He loves being at home, kind of isolated from people. He could be in his pajamas all day and just be <laughs> fine with that. And so there's a little bit of tension as we talk about going back to school because I have one kid who can't wait. And then I have another kid who's yeah. like, I could do this my whole life behind a screen. And so <laughs> there's tension. And, and, you know, Peter, he talks about tension a lot in this letter. Yeah. And he kind of, you know, that's kind of this subtle uh, theme behind the, this letter. And so last week we, we talked about that in chapter two and the tension between uh, how to live, as, as Peter calls us, foreigners yeah. And aliens, and what does that look like? Do we assimilate to the world or do we alienate from the world? And it seems sometimes like those are our only two options, but Jesus provides this third way. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting because that tension that you talk about, we, we do, we see it throughout the book of First Peter, but we see it last week, and we talked a little bit about it, about how the Pharisees of Jesus' time, it, that mm -hmm. tension drove them to kind of attack, yeah. kind of, hate people, dislike people, and to the Pharisees, if you didn't agree with them, yeah. you didn't matter to them. You were unclean and unworthy, and so they were separated in the community, but they still were attacking people. And, yeah. and then there was this other group, the, the, the Sadducees, that we sometimes see in Scripture mm -hmm. called the teachers of the law. Yeah. And the Sadducees decided to stay in community, but to try and blend in. Mm -hmm. and, you know, their way of avoiding tension or avoiding the fear of standing out was to just completely absorb and adopt the culture of the Romans, uh, the mm -hmm. society around there and them and to be just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of the beauty of the church, the beauty of the yeah. gospel, because that's not what Jesus does. Right. You know, everything that the church does is on the foundation of Jesus's love. Yeah. And so we're not going to attack because Jesus didn't. Right. We're not gonna try and blend in with everybody else because that's sure not what Jesus did. Yeah. And so we're not gonna compromise right. and adopt 
the values of the society around us. We're going to live out the values that Jesus taught us. He cuts through with this third way, the way of love. Yeah, it's good. And you see Peter and the Holy Spirit remind us of that. And the Holy Spirit here through Peter tells us to follow that example. Mm -hmm. Follow the example of Jesus, no matter what. No matter what our situation, Mm -hmm. to endure the suffering that goes along with life. And even if we don't deserve it, maybe especially if we don't deserve it. Right. And to not go back and be angry and hurt other people, but to be good, to do good, even in Mm. the situations where we're being hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that's in our family, whether that's in our work, or even in politics with our government, Peter reminds us, no matter what, no matter what your situation, follow the example of Jesus. And so that gets us to where we are today Mm -hmm. in chapter three. So would you read the passage? Yeah, let's pick it up here in verse eight. So uh, this is what Peter tells us. Um, He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made, alive, but made alive in the spirit. Hmm. And so that's yeah. a good place to kind of stop for today. And yeah. I think we just kind of unpack some of those verses that we just read, starting right there in verse eight, where, where Peter says, finally, all of you. Yeah. And like you were talking about, he, he, he had just gotten done talking to specific groups, workers, husbands, wives, and now he's opening it back up to the whole church. And he's saying, finally, church, all of you who call yourself a Christian, this is how we are to live with one another. And he, he lists five virtues of how we love each other yeah. as Christians. And, and so, Adrian, uh, why don't you start by just looking at those virtues and, and what do you, tell us what you think about them. Yeah, well, I love that where Peter starts, the first mm-hmm. thing that Peter mentions is to be like-minded. Mm. I love that in this, this process, these five things that he's telling us to grow in, he starts with, with unity. Uh, he's saying, be united, do the work. Yeah. Do the work of building unity. Um, and I think that stands out to me just because, especially coming through the year that we've come through, right. unity is so important. Um, and it's important for us to recognize that he says unity, not uniformity. Mm. Peter isn't saying, hey, you're going to be with everyone who is just like you, everyone who looks from, like you, who's from the same place as you, who does the same stuff as you. No, he's saying in our, in our differences, we have to work for unity because uniformity is just not disagreeing and yeah. being the same. Right. Um, and that's not what this is. This is Peter saying in our differences, 
We need to be united. Mm. Because I think the early church disagreed. I think they probably disagreed a lot. Yeah. I mean, think about what it would be like to be in a meeting with Peter and James and Mary yeah. and Paul. Right. Those are some super strong personalities, some super smart people, yeah. some spiritually mature people that probably felt they were right most of the time. Yeah, they wrote all the letters in the New Testament. There's got to be. <laughs> and we see there were disagreements. Yeah. Um, but the goal is to have unity, mm. one focus, uh, to, to cooperate in the midst of our, our diversity. Mm, I like that. I like that cooperation or to cooperate in the midst of diversity. Kind of keep going on that. I think that's a good word for us today as we kind of wrestle with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a challenge because I mean, what it means is to collaborate, even though we're different, even mm -hmm. though we might come from different backgrounds, even though we may see things a little bit differently. It's to be committed to a single focus mm -hmm. for us to be committed to a single focus that is so important yeah. that we let the details kind of fall away. We don't pay attention to some of those smaller issues that we face yeah. because our focus is our overriding goal. Which is tough because the culture around us is saying, no, right. as soon as someone disagrees, yeah. push that cancel button, yeah. right? Like, don't hang around. They're done. Delete them from your yeah. phone. Delete them from your contact list. You know, it's like, and that's what's being, that's yeah. what we're, we're living in right now. And, and Peter's saying, no, be, be and, different. Exactly. And what Peter gives us is the solution to that. Yeah. You know, because we are brought up that if we disagree, then we don't spend time together. Mm -hmm. And Peter is actually saying that if we disagree on some stuff, we still have to be committed to obeying Jesus. Yeah. And that's the overriding value. Um, and this is an enormous deal. This is a big deal right. because when Jesus was on earth, he prays for us for this. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, in John chapter 17, the final prayer before he's arrested and crucified, mm -hmm. Jesus is praying, and, and it's really for us. He says, I pray this not just for those who know me now, but for those who will come to faith. Yeah. That's us, believers in the future, which is now mm -hmm. for us, present-day believers. Jesus prays that we would have oneness, that we would have unity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in chapter 17, he says that five or six times, mm -hmm. over and over again, I pray that they would have oneness and unity. And this is his prayer for us mm -hmm. just before he's crucified. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... When I used to read this, when I was younger, I used to think this is Jesus's last prayer for me. Yeah. I and for all believers, I wish that he had prayed that Christians would have some kind of superpower. Yeah. I thought, man, Jesus is praying to God the Father on the, the last time he's gonna pray on earth for us. And he could have asked that we would have super strength or <laughs> super speed or something that we could fly. Yeah. And wouldn't that be a great witness? But as I get older, I start to realize that I think Jesus may have prayed for a superpower mm. because what we see is that unity is supernatural. Yeah. It doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come to us. And Jesus prays that we would have complete unity. And then he says that he prays for that because if people see that, they'll know that God the Father sent him. Mm -hmm. See, Jesus knows better than we do that unity isn't normal. Mm -hmm. He knows better than we do that unity is supernatural yeah. and that when people see it, they're gonna know that it's not coming from you or me or people. Mm -hmm. They're gonna recognize that it comes from God yeah. and they're gonna experience it as something beautiful and, and attractive. Yeah, that's so good. Jesus knew yeah. what we would need most, you know, most help with. It's not running faster or being stronger. <laughs> it's, Although those things would have been nice. It's learning how to be, live in harmony when we disagree, man. 
I love that uniformity or uh, unity, not un- uniformity. I kind of feel like over this past year as a church, we've kind of missed the mark here. Yeah. And it, it grieves me as a Christian, as a Christ follower, to know that we had this tremendous opportunity as our world has struggled with conflict and disagreement and just everyone's going to these opposite sides that we have this opportunity and even yeah. now to, to rise up and, and demonstrate that no, we can still come together despite our differences. Right, yeah. Can you imagine if we were known for that as a church? Yeah. Like how much of a difference that could make? It would be so attractive, be so appealing. Yeah. Um, the next one uh, uh, is, is sympathy. What's, what's sympathy look like? Well, I think the thing that's so important about that is that we can't, we can't get there yeah. unless, unless we have sympathy. Uh, we, we need to have sympathy in order to do that, to have those things. And sympathy takes time and work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a challenge for us because, again, it's not natural for us. And I know that for me and others, sometimes we think, well, I'm just not that sensitive. So it's hard for me to sympathize with other people. But that's not really the problem. That's kind of a cop-out, to be honest, because Mm -hmm. it's not that anyone has the inability to sympathize. Um, It's not that we don't know how to understand someone's feelings or their circumstance. It's just that we don't do the work to get there. Mm -hmm. We don't know what to do in order to sympathize. And we we kind of cop out and say, well, I just don't know how to do that. Because it does take practice. It does take effort. And even though we may not be good at it, we can still do it. And it's the work of thinking about someone's situation. Mm -hmm. I have to think about the situation you're in and how that might make you feel. And then when I get to that point, I think, how would that feel for me? And that's having sympathy. That's sympathy. Recognizing the situation you're in and understanding what you might think or feel because of that situation. And what Peter is saying here is to do the work to understand the situation someone else is in. Someone else in church, someone else in the body of Christ. Think about how they might feel and don't be lazy. Do the work to get there. So like when someone opens your, opens up their heart to you and, and and you're tempted to just, you know, give the the Christian response of, oh yeah, I'll definitely pray for you, you know, and then you walk away and you forget about it 10 minutes later. I mean, or, or you do pray, but it's, it doesn't really you're not doing the mental work to put yourself in their shoes and go, man, what does this person need? Why did they open up their heart to me? They chose me to share this information with. And so Peter is saying like, no, it's, it's, it's more than just acknowledgement and a prayer. It's right. got it's, it gets deeper than that. Yeah, absolutely. If I can understand where you're coming from, the situation mm-hmm. that you're in, what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Yeah. And I take that into consideration. My response to you is going to be different. Yeah. You might say something that makes me feel attacked and all of a sudden unity is broken. Yeah. But if I think about where you're coming from and what you're thinking and feeling, all of a sudden we might be able to get past that and continue yeah, on. Because of sympathy. That's and good. Yeah, and that's the important thing. And it leads into the next thing that Peter says, because Peter says that we need to love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to remember, I mean, you know this, when we read love in the Bible, it doesn't mean that kind of Hallmark card kind of love. Yeah. Um, it's not an emotional, romantic kind of thing. When we read love in the Bible, Mm-hmm. What it's talking about is wanting what's best for someone and committing mm-hmm. to do what's best for someone. Mm-hmm. And that's how Peter says that we need to treat each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I remember reading a couple different versions of this word that, that Peter uses. And, and one of the versions said, it calls it brotherly love. Yeah. Right. And it's that deeper, like it's that family type love, that sibling love that, that perseveres even through fights and quarrels and struggles. Right. And that's what he's describing here. I mean, yeah. I think the Greek word is uh, like, it's Philadelphia, you know, yeah. brotherly love, family love. And 
Um, it reminds me again of my three boys at home. They're going through that phase where they're, they love to wrestle each other. I think my middle son, Nathan, wants to be an MMA fighter. <laughs> He's just so physical. Um, and so the other day they were fighting and, and, and our, our youngest son uh, gets hurt and Nathan runs in and tells me, hey, Ben's hurt, you know. And so I go in there and assess the situation, make sure there's no broken bones. And Ben's wiping the tears from his eyes. And I'm like, hey, who hurt you? And what happened, you know? And he points at Nathan. He's like, <laughs> he did it. And I thought that was so interesting because Nathan was the one who hurt him, but he's also the one who ran to get help, yeah. you know? And I think that's that brotherly love. It's like, yeah, sometimes we do fight, but our love runs deeper than the conflict, you know? And it's like, it's greater than the conflict and what we're going through. Um, it perseveres, you know, it perseveres. And, 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 or at least that's how brotherly love is intended to be. Yeah, that's how it ought to be. And, uh, and then we finally go to our, our last two virtues, uh, be compassionate and humble. And that word compassion, it means to be moved by action, mm-hmm. right? Like, so we have that feeling, it's kind of the sequel to sympathy. You know, you have that sympathy where you put yourself in their shoes and then it moves you, it compels you to do something about it, to act on it. Um, and then the final one is humility. And humility, in my opinion, is, is the core, right? Like it's, it's the one that we need before any, anything else because without humility, I don't think we can love well at yeah. all. And so Adrian, I know humility is sometimes confusing to define. How would you define this word humility? Uh, that's, a, I mean, that's a great question because we do. We get it wrong a lot of the times. Um, it's a challenge for us because in reality, humility isn't just not thinking highly of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not trying to think lowly of ourselves because humility really isn't so much about what we think about ourselves. It's more about how much we think about ourselves. Oh, that's good. You know, because pride is thinking about ourselves more than we think about others. Uh, you could think you're a horrible person, but if you're thinking about yourself all the time, you're struggling with pride. Mm. And, and humility is thinking about others more than we think about ourselves. Yeah. It's seeing ourselves the way God sees us, as his child sent to serve and to love others, just like Jesus did. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you look at those five characteristics, I love how you recognize that they're a process, they are, they're dependent on each other. If we're gonna have unity, we have to understand each other and where someone's coming from and what they're feeling and what they're thinking. If we're gonna love each other, we have to understand the situation that they're in, yeah. but you can't just end with wanting what's best. Yeah. You have to have compassion and be moved to action. Mm-hmm. You have to be moved to do something about it. Yeah. And you're not gonna be active in serving or caring for other people in the body if you think you're better than everyone else. If you're right. thinking about yourself, more than you're thinking about other people. Yeah. And you know, I look at that list. Hmm. I look at that list and I think, man, doesn't that sound like a team you'd love to be on? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, but I, you know, I look at that list and I think, man, I want to be a part of that group, but right. I have to be honest and say that's not really how I relate to all Christians, how I yeah. relate to all Christians. And in fact, to be honest, I I would have to say sometimes, yeah. but not all the time. Um, and I don't know, Clint, do you think that that tension yeah. of, of where we're called to go, what we're called to be and treat each other as, and how we actually live our daily lives, do you think that that tension, that frustration, mm-hmm. do you think everyone feels that? Oh, yeah. We're, we, we have this perfect model, right, Jesus. Right. And then in the scriptures, they paint this perfect picture of like what, we're, what the target is, what we're shooting for in our relationships with one another. But there's one problem. 
we're imperfect people. Yeah. We're broken. We get these things wrong. And so we always have to keep in mind God's grace, right? God's grace fills in our gaps. Where we come short, he fills in the rest. And so the, the idea isn't do all these things perfectly. <laughs> the idea is recognize where we need to grow yeah. and then work on it. That's the goal here, right? And that's what Peter's unpacking for us. Now, another reason why I think sometimes we struggle with this as a church, if I'm, if I'm honest, especially like in America, is... Um, because we don't really give ourselves a chance to have this deep loving community, right? Like for a lot of us, we describe church as we go to a building an hour a week, or right now it's we sit in our homes, you know, for an hour a week with our yeah. families. And, and it's like, we just check the box and then do it again next week. And it's not, we're, we're not giving ourselves a chance to, to have deep, intimate, loving community to, to, to see and, and, and experience uh, some of these things that Peter's talking about. And, uh, you know, community, Another, another reason why this matters so much is because community is the, the one place where we get to experience love. Yeah. And as humans created in the image of God, like that's one of our deepest desires. It's one of our deepest cravings as a human being is to experience and to give love. That only happens in community. So we have to avoid the pressure to isolate ourselves and make our Christian faith all about us and what do I get out of it? And how am I growing? And what's my relationship with God like? And how am I serving? And what are my gifts? And start to look at it in the context of this beautiful family of believers, this Christian, what the Bible would call the church. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is, this is the, the power and the beauty of God being the Trinity. Yeah. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The beauty of that is that at the core of all creation, yeah. at the center of the entire universe is family, mm -hmm. is relationship, is community, is love. Yeah. And we're, wow. we're all created out of that. Mm -hmm. And we're created with a need mm -hmm. to love as well as to be loved. Mm -hmm. And that happens in community. That's just where that happens. But, mm -hmm. but the hard thing because we are imperfect, just like you said, because we're imperfect, when we engage in community, in any relationship, we all know that that's also where you can get wounded. That's yeah. where you can get hurt. Right, which and is why we run from it. Exactly, and that's why we, you know, we have to give ourselves a little grace and say like, hey, we're, we're imperfect and we've hurt others and others have hurt us. Yeah. But we also have to acknowledge that sometimes we run from community, we hide from it, simply because we've been hurt and we're scared. Yeah, and we were talking about this earlier, I read this quote, uh, it said, all personal growth, yeah. all personal damage, as well as all personal healing comes through our relationship with others. Yeah. So it's not just where we find love, it's where we're hurt. But the key is it's also the only place where we find healing. Yeah. Right. We can't just keep running because that's not the answer. All right, only 10 more verses to go. Don't worry. Uh, these ones will go a lot quicker because they're more lumped together. We had to spend time here on verse yeah. eight because Peter's painting this picture of our relationships, of Christian community that Absolutely. we cannot miss because now he's about to paint the picture of our relationships with the outside world. Yeah. And if you think trying to love someone that holds the same core values and convictions as you is hard, wait until you have to love someone who utterly disagrees with everything that you stand up for and everything that you value. And that's what Peter turns his attention to. He says, this is how we're supposed to treat those of us or those people outside the church that yeah. maybe you know persecute us or don't agree with us or hurt us or hate us because of what we what we believe in. Yeah, I mean, Peter says, you know, those people who hate us and harm us, love them too. 
Oh, easy. Yeah. He says, <laughs> you know, don't repay evil for evil. Don't talk bad about someone who talks bad about you. Instead, be a blessing. Um, and <laughs> here's the thing, though, Clint, that, that kills me is here are these people hearing this from Peter. Yeah. And this is a community that has been trained mm -hmm. in an eye for an eye. Yeah. This is a group of people who have been taught a tooth for a tooth. Yep. And I think when they hear Peter say this, it would have blown their minds. Right. Yeah, it echoes what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Exactly. And he's the one that introduces this new line of thinking. Um, and it's also human. It's natural for us to want revenge, want Absolutely. to seek justice for ourselves. When we're wrong, to want to get even. And, and then what, what Peter does here, though, is he says, you know, when someone hates you, return it with a blessing or hurts you. And then, he, and then he quotes Psalm 34, which is this amazing Old Testament psalm that was written about God's protection and God's justice for those who seek him. In other words, what, what Peter is saying is, is we don't have to get even. We don't have to repay evil for evil or an eye for an eye because that's God's job. Yeah. He has our backs. He's going to get justice for us. He's going to get uh, revenge for us. He's going to, you know, uh, pay off our debts when the timing is right. Right. You know, so we can let those feelings, when they rise up and bubble up in us, kind of calm down because we know God has our backs. And that helps us to then just focus on things like love. Yeah. And, and, and responses like grace instead of bitterness and revenge and and uh, I got to be honest, though, that's way easier said than done, right? Because in the moment, that's all we want to do is get yeah. even. It reminds me of uh, when I was in college, I was out shopping and, and this guy came up to me and was like, you know, he wanted some money from me. And, and, and he asked, he gave me this big sob story about his family being stranded and how if he could just have 20 bucks, um, he'll, he'll pay me back. You know, if he just want to wait here for 30 minutes. And, you know, so I gave him the money. I believed him. He never came back. I waited for like an hour. And, and then I realized like, I just got robbed, you know? <laughs> like, I, uh, and, and so I was mad, you know? And my friends were making yeah. fun of me when I told them the story. Like, can't believe you believed that guy, you know, he conned you. And, and I, got, I got angry, I got upset. I wanted to get even, I wanted my money back. But more importantly, I wanted that hour of my life back, <laughs> you know? And, and in college, 20 bucks was a lot of money. And, and here's what happened though. The next day, or actually a few days later, I'm in, uh, I'm in the drive-thru at Burger King and I see the same guy walking down the parking lot and he's, He's having conversations with everyone. I know he's yeah. telling them the same exact story. And I'm like, oh, if I could just get out and give this guy a piece of my mind, that would make me feel better. And that would get me even. Well, God made a way where there yeah. was no way because I was in the drive-thru, so I couldn't get out. And, and this man walked right over to my car. And, and he walks right over to me and I'm like, now's my chance to get even, you know? And so I do, I just like let him have it. You know, and I, yeah, you stole money from me. You owe me $20. Don't you remember me from Home Depot a couple days ago? And he's like scared because I'm taking my seatbelt off. <laughs> and uh, it, it, he, so he runs away. And, and that felt really good to get even in the yeah. moment. But I got to be honest, a few moments later, I, I, I actually felt sad. Yeah. And that destructive cycle within me was just continuing, you know, in my heart of growing more and more bitter. And and I think it's so hard to respond with love. It's so much easier to respond with hate and anger and to try to get even. And I don't know, like you wanna make any comments on that about why you might think that's so much easier to respond that way? Yeah, I, I think it's because we're jerks. I mean, <laughs> I know I am. I think it's, you know, it's challenging. It's hard for us because I think I'm not that different than everyone else. We're a little bit vindictive. Yeah. If someone 
does something and harms us, if someone posts something on Facebook that's mean, we want to teach them a lesson. Yeah. We want to somehow level the scales. And Peter, the Holy Spirit through Peter here is saying, has, has that ever worked? Has repaying evil for evil ever really taught someone a lesson to the degree that they would stop causing harm to other people? Right. Or, or does it just yeah. continue this unhealthy cycle of hurt and pain and sin? Yeah. I mean, you look at verse nine, Peter tells us to stop this cycle of repaying hurt for hurt. If you harm me, I'll harm you back. Mm -hmm. Peter says, repay evil with blessing. Mm -hmm. He says, do good to people who do bad to you. He wants us to replace our anger yeah. and our hate with love and, and care. Mm. And really the truth is in my experience that that's really the only way to break that cycle, mm -hmm. to, to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when someone's being cruel, to be loving and do good for them. And I say that that's my experience because that's the way I came to Christ. Wow. You know, in the midst of me being cruel and making harmful jokes and insults to a good friend of mine, he never returned those insults or those jokes. Mm. He just continued to hang out with me and to invite me to church. And eventually he brought me to church and I went to church and that breaking of the cycle kept me at church. Yeah. And that's how I discovered Jesus. I, it reminds me of this quote I heard a few weeks ago where someone said, love gets the job done. Mm. And I think that's part of the problem is we don't believe that love and, and grace actually yeah. work. We think, oh yeah, we're gonna love them, but they also need to hear peace of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they also need to learn their lesson here, otherwise they're gonna go hurt other people. And it's like, no, love is what changes people, yeah. right? Yeah. Like love is the motivating factor here. It's what changes us. It's why we gave our lives to Jesus. And Absolutely. I know we were talking about this earlier too. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I think it's easier to respond out of our flesh, to respond mm -hmm. out of anger or vindictiveness. Uh, but you are absolutely right. Those things don't transform. Yeah. What transforms is love. And I mean, all we have to do is look at verse 15. Look at this, right. let me read it. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Mm. But do this with gentleness and respect. Mm -hmm. See, when we live out what Peter is describing, when we break that cycle, um, when we don't respond back to people who hurt us with an attack when we endure mm -hmm. suffering and we do good, mm -hmm. when we're a blessing to people, then people will, will see and ask, why are you so different? Mm -hmm. Why do you have this hope that things are gonna turn out for you, mm -hmm. that you don't have to seek vengeance, mm -hmm. that you don't have to be cruel? Why are you so different? And if they're asking that question, we have got to be ready to say, oh, no, no, it's not me who's different. Mm -hmm. it, it's Jesus who's different. Yeah. So love works. It really yeah. does get the job done. You know, and I thought about that when I was driving away, you know, from, I was telling you that story, you know, from that guy and where I responded with anger and yeah. I thought that was the best thing to do. And, but I was thinking, man, what if I, what if I responded with love? You know, what if I offered to, to buy him lunch? Mm. Like how, how much would that have shocked him? And, and maybe that would have helped heal my heart towards him, but also potentially his heart, you know? Like what if I offered to pray for him and his family and whatever, gave him a coat that was sitting in my, cause he was cold. Like, what if I responded so radically different? I wonder if that would have changed, you know, my heart and potentially his heart. Probably, but I mean, that's the, that's the human condition. I mean, that's the nature. That's, mm. 
us wrestling with what it means to really follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, because this is exactly what Jesus did for us. This is what he did for you, what he did for me and all of us is when we were in open rebellion to Jesus, when we were his enemies, opposed to everything he stood for, Jesus still chose to die for us right. because he loved us. I mean, verse 18 yeah. says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, mm -hmm. the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Mm. And amen to that. Thank God for that right. truth. Yeah. And in thinking about that verse, mm -hmm. that truth, as well as all the verses that we've talked about and read today, what do we do about that? Yeah. Yeah, because if we just hear all these things and don't go and change, do, th do something about it, I mean, why does it matter? All right. We're not supposed to just be like really smart people. Although I We am. have to look differently. <laughs> you really are. Uh, but, and so yeah, I think we need to just evaluate our hearts, right? Yeah. Like we just read that list of five virtues that, let's just start with our relationships with other Christians, with each other, with our family of believers. And just read through that list. Like, where are we at with those things? You know, personally, where are you at? It starts with our own hearts. I'll just ask you, Adrian. I'll read the list and, and tell me which one sticks out to you. We have live in harmony, number one. Be sympathetic. Show brotherly love that yeah. perseveres through conflict. Be compassionate. Have humility. And which one of those are you feeling like you could grow in? Well, I mean, I think most people know that I'm like super humble. Uh, you are so, <laughs> very humble. No, um, actually, yeah. the one that that's standing out in my mind is really the compassion piece. Yeah, um, that challenge of taking action. I may know that someone's in need, but it's that that inability to remain inactive that I have to strive for. Mm. Um, that what I understand their situation to be and the love that I have for them, that commitment I've made to do good, has to lead to now I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I think that's the area that I really need to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to yeah. transform and help me grow in. Mm. How about you? Oh man, I all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, now the one that stuck out to me is is the unity piece. You know, despite mm. our disagreements and differences, I I say we haven't done a good job as a church, but really it's hits here. It's I haven't done a good job as a follower of Christ, as a pastor, as a church leader. There's been a lot of disagreements over the you know past few years, like I said, and I don't know that I modeled well, you know, how to live in harmony, mm. how to look past the little offenses, how to not take things personally, and and that's a process, and sometimes that requires counseling and stuff. I'm not saying it's easy, but let's not give up on that. Yeah, you know, there's people in our lives that disagree with us, and we're so tempted to just cancel them. Let's let's be better. Let's stand out. Let's be different. Mm. Let's seek unity. And I think that's what God's asking me to do. And there's several people that come to mind about who I need to reach out to and forgive and just start that process of healing so that we could be one body yeah. and we could stand out. And so Adrian, why don't you uh, pray for us and then- uh, Yeah, absolutely, let's pray. Our time. Jesus, Lord, help us to be brave enough to, to seek out the kind of community, the relationships that you built us for that we need community that helps us to become more like you, to be transformed and conformed to your image. Give us unity. Help us to be sympathetic and loving and to take action to serve each other, Lord. Remind us that you sent us to serve others. 
the same way you did. Jesus, I just ask that you would form those things in our hearts, in our character. Um, and I ask that you do it through community, the way we were designed to. Jesus, we thank you for the, the blessing it is that you choose your church, you choose us, your followers, to be part of your plan to restore and transform creation. We ask that we would, just as Clint said, we would take stock of our hearts, of our attitudes, and we would submit them to you, and that we would be transformed because of it, because you change us. And we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for your love that changes everything. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. 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 Mm -hmm.